You're listening to the Vic 757 Podcast featuring Dwight and Michael Vic talking all things Virginia Tech football. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to the very first edition of the Vic 757 Podcast. I'm your host, former Virginia Tech offensive lineman and captain Dwight Vic, with my co-host, the captain, one of the best to ever do it, my cuz, Michael Vic. What's good, cuz? a long time, cuz. <laughs> about time that we link up and do something together. And I'm, I'm honored to sit next to you on this platform, cuz. Oh, we're going to have a lot of fun, man. I know a lot of yeah. people are, are just going to be really excited about this. It's been a long time coming. I know you and I have worked together with your football cams, the, the V7 stuff, but this is different. This is special. I've interviewed you several times with Column and my podcast, but this is me and you the Vic 757 mm-hmm. podcast, bringing all things tech. You know, all it's going to be a lot of tech. fun. Yeah. All things tech. We opening up the doors. We, we about to open the floodgates back up. <laughs> we taking all questions. <laughs> no doubt. And for those that are wondering, I'm just going to give a little background before we jump into it, because we have a very special guest jumping on. The Vic 757 podcast, obviously Mike and I are both Vicks, but he wore number seven. I wore 57. And we both from the 757. So that's how that mathematics go right there, man. We just it's a natural thing. And on top of it, you want to dig deeper. Mark, Marcus, Mike's brother, also Mark, one of them five. Yeah. <laughs> We're gonna bring him on the show too. I want to yeah. hear from bro. A lot of people want to hear from Marcus. I get asked I about Marcus bro. all the time. I probably get Mar- about asked about Marcus just as much as I get asked about you. Yeah, you know, Mark, yeah. Mark legend in his own right. Yeah, man. Um, both you guys came close to taking tech to the promised land, man. Yeah. Um, our special guest was gonna jump on here in a few minutes before we get him on, man. Mike, I want to talk to you. You obviously are an iconic figure, man. You uh played at the highest level in the NFL. You have legendary moments with the Eagles, the Falcons, even some great plays with the Steelers. Um, you know, you did your thing in Newport News at Warwick. You know, you were part of the golden era with you and Ronald Curry and Aaron Brooks and mm-hmm. Allen Iverson. But at the same time, you know, you and I were talking off air and I've had you so many times on different platforms. Virginia Tech, you mentioned was a blur, but it's still a very special place in your heart. Yeah, it was just a short stint. Cause, and, and you know, to everybody viewing this, is, you know, I'm gonna re- relate to cause the white as cause. Through, that's what I know him as. And I don't wanna be trying to call you the white when I, it's something different. No doubt. It's cause it's a relationship, so. You know, it, my time just came and went so fast and, and stories untold, it was really hard to make that jump to the NFL because I love my teammates so much. I love, you know, the staff, the administration, the people who was there. It was a big reason why I was able to get on that platform and, and go to the National Football League. And I, it happened so fast because that the memories just went like that, but they still find memories now to this day. And, and I can't wait just throughout the season to share my stories as they, you know, go hand in hand with probably what's going on out in the field as we, you know, as we go through the season. So, you know, I, I want to relive that, that hokey experience all over again with you, the fans, with our guests, their memories and, and keep this thing moving. Yeah, man, you know, I'm right there with you. You know, it's crazy because as we record our very first episode, believe it or not, man, um, the season kick off Friday. This coming yeah. Friday. Tech's hosting right. UNC, man. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Can't yeah. wait to recap it. Yeah. Can't yeah. We recap it or talk about it before. <laughs> whatever. Whatever. It's this 
this is, a, is, is an exciting time because I got to tell you that. You know, like when you look at, and we're going to have our guest on as soon as he jumps on, we're going to break down that matchup and reflect on our time at Tech. But when you look at college football in the ACC, the ACC obviously is a good conference. But when you, people talk college football, they talk the SEC first, then the Big Ten. And then it's yeah. like, well, the ACC and then the leftovers. Um, you and I didn't play in the ACC, but we played a lot of ACC teams, UVA at the time, Carolina, Florida State, and also Clemson. Um, when you look at college football now, Mike, with SEC expanding, the new rules with the you know, sponsorship, the new NIL money and everything like that, I've been asked this several times on radio shows I did. Now I get to hear from you yourself, the, the dude. How much money would you have made? Because somebody asked me, and I, I, I said, I told people, I was like, yo, anywhere from 10 to 20 million. And they were like, really? I said, you have to understand, at that time, Capone and Noriega, Wu-Tang Clan, Mob D, everybody was Shout talking out. about Virginia Tech and Shout Mike. Yeah. So how much money do you think you would have got, man? Seriously, <laughs> we was on the map, cuz, and people ask me all the time, like in the, just the last month, since all these rules been changed, how much money do you think you would have made? And I just look at them and say, I wouldn't have left school early, I'll tell you that. <laughs> I would have been able to spend a lot of money back home, get mom out <laughs> get moms moms out the poverty stricken area you know yeah and, yeah you know that's the cool part about it now man like the kids are getting there just do we like 25 years too late <laughs> For sure. you know it's all about evolution and, and this this part of it man so i, I probably would have made at least I'm, I'm always be conservative very conservative with money yeah no i i a million to two per year <laughs> I did a million to two per year. Paid a bunch of parking tickets and fines. You know, <laughs> had a good time with it, cause I oh man. Hey, you know what? One, the one thing I'd have did, I'd have made sure my teammates was taken care of. We'd all been staying. Nobody four years. Get your education. Hey yo, and you know what? That's what I tell fans, man. It's like this is a good thing because. I mean, I, when I remember what I talked to you the week you announced and you said, hey, cuz, man, like, I love it here. You were with Dre, TP, Emmett, you guys were chopping up. Mookie, shout out to all shout my out brothers. Shout out to the boys. Shout out to the yeah. boys. Yeah. And you were like, man, I, I got to do it, man. You said, cuz, I can't pass up being number one overall. And I was like, I feel you. And I said, you ready? You said, I'm going to get ready. But at the same time, I can tell in that phone call, you weren't rushing to leave, but it was a financial yeah. situation. I mean, you from, yeah. everybody yeah. knows where you from. They seen it 30 for 30. You know, I just interviewed Antonio Banks on my other stuff, and he talked about, hey, man, we from the mud. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> I can't and, wait to interview Banks. <laughs> you know, but, you know, you weren't rushing because huh. you love you love being in tech. Yeah, because, and like, you know my emotions throughout that process. I was, I was so torn. And 80% of it was because I didn't want to leave the guys in the household behind, you know, like my teammates, you know, TP. I mm -hmm. think Dre was leaving. Emmett, mm -hmm. I had mad love for Emmett. You know, mm -hmm. Reggie Samuel, you know, AKA Moop. Like the whole squad, man, Garnell Wiles, man, all them dudes I felt like I was leaving behind as we went through the process of, you know, mentorship, togetherness, building character, all that, you know, and, you know, you, you reach a certain level and I just, I couldn't look back, man. I couldn't look, and I, I wish I could have brought everybody with me. It was just like you said, the situation at home, 
it wasn't ideal, it wasn't healthy, and uh, it was time for change. So thank God I made that decision. And, and uh, you know, if I had to do it all over again, I probably would do it the same, but, you know, with some stipulations attached to it, you know, I would have made sure. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, like I said, 25 years too late, cuz. <laughs> nah, no, man. Um, it's just it's it's good to reflect on those days, man, because you never know. You made a great point, cuz, because you said we were 25 years too late. Cause I look back, you know, I probably would have not made what you made, but I know I can always speak well. I know there's yeah. always a category for whoever, yeah. you know, yeah, you yeah. can get in your lane. But you got a lane. You got a lane. You gotta find your lane. And everybody has a word. You just gotta find out what your worth your niche is, right? That's you it. know, <laughs> you That's know, it, man. I got, I got, we got a few more minutes before I guest jumps on it. We're going to dive into all things tech, but I do want to hit you with this. I was going to text you this. I said, nah, I'm going to say before our first, our first glimpse of our podcast. So Chuck was on, shout out to uh, AI. For those who know what we call him, Chuck, we're from back home. Obviously he was on Club Shay Shay, your boy Shannon. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And he was talking about, um, you know, he would, he would have had the same impact that he had in the NBA as he did in the NFL. And, uh, our brother, Ahmad Hawkins, Ball Hawk, has been on all the social media platforms, talking to people. I've seen debates on Twitter from people that don't know him like we know him. I played against him, played with him in rec league, played against him in high school for three years. I saw it firsthand. Um, but you also played in the league at the position. I don't know if Chuck would have been a quarterback, but you played in the league. You know, yeah. your thoughts on that, man, because... You know, I know what you went through for the physical stuff. Like it was real yeah, out there. It, it was, it was, uh, it was very rigorous as far as um, just the punishment. And, and I done ran into Chuck. We know, we know Alan personally, and seen him on a bunch of different occasions. And shout out to Chuck, but I don't think his body can max out no more than one ninety. So he probably would have been on the defensive side of the ball, which yeah. I think he would have been effective because. His skills are second to none. I, I never doubt a guy who is one of the greatest NBA players of all time. So that means his talent level was, you know, no doubt. everybody. So I wouldn't say that he couldn't thrive on the football field. I think the quarterback position might've been tough, but can't even say that because who, who won, who can't say that he wouldn't have went to college would have made an adjustment mentally learned the offense and being able to pick a defense apart with his arm. And then when he had to use his legs, get out. So I never put that past Chuck. So he could have been successful either route here went. Um, I don't know if he would have changed the game in football. <laughs> Let's just say he chose the right path. Yeah, I don't think you people, I, hey, I remember seeing you when I used to come see you in Philly and you would have the ice bags on your ribs and the shoulder. You know, uh, you you was like, yo, I'm gonna go upstairs and change. We can head out. And I was like, man, you was look, beat this, up. This, and this is what I know: Chuck would have played with so much heart, he would have did the same thing that I did. You you know, cause I run through a wall for him. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Ain't no holds back. Yeah, but Chuck would have been the same way. He would have ran through a wall. Ladies and gentlemen, Allen Iverson would have been an amazing football player in the National Football League. I'm no doubt. Thank you. Thank you. No. Thank you. No, no doubt. My boy. <laughs> Well, you know, there will be no AI slander on our show. Never, never. never. <laughs> you know, he, he is a god, he's an icon to all of us back home and even across the country, across the world, just as you are. And coming up here in a few minutes, I think he's getting ready to jump on now. He was an icon. So when he jumps on here, I can't wait because this this has been a long time coming with you two. And yeah, I, yeah and he's jumping on now and I can't wait for you guys oh, to reconnect. 
you know what I'm gonna ask some cuz before we even jump on, or before we get into our conversation, I'm gonna tell them. People ask me all the time who was one of my favorite receivers to throw to. And all these guys that I played with in the NFL always come popping in my head. And that, you know, it just becomes a, a mental thing. <laughs> Why I never think about Andre Davis? Dre was, was the man. Shout out to Dre. I can't wait to come on. That's that's big bro too. Well, big bro well, got me in the league. Yeah. <laughs> bro ran past everybody. He was like Deshaun Jackson. <laughs> and there he is. Great. There he is. Without any further delay, we have Andre Davis, legendary wide receiver, record holder at Virginia Tech, also a track star, and all, and I'll just say uh, everything. Mike's favorite receiver. Mike's favorite what? receiver. Hey Dre, what's up, fellas? What's up, baby? What's up? Hey Dre, you still got that smile to light up a room, man. Just <laughs> don't know the confidence you gave me, man. Like on the football field, I was just telling, I was just telling Cuz people always ask me who was one of my favorite receivers to throw to. And I always think NFL guys, but prior to this conversation and just thinking about what we, you know, just our presence being here right now, I was like, why do I never think about Andre? Dre <laughs> ran a 4-2? Yeah. You ran a 4-2, right? Yeah, Mike, I ran a 4-2. But just like how we talked about in college, you know, we used to talk about who was the fastest, but... I think what me and you came to the agreement was that you were quicker than I was, but yes, I was that's fast. Correct. That's correct. And so it's, uh, you know, as we talk about speed, we all know the difference between football speed and track speed. Yes. And not every track guy who tries out for football can actually go out there and it translates. <laughs> not at all. That's the not truth. At all. Not at all. Not <laughs> that's at all. The truth. Um, so, but no. yeah, man, that, that, that it's always great memories having to go back and look on it and stuff. But Mike, you already know, man, you've already had such an amazing career and you've had an opportunity to play with so many great receivers that, you know, that's the thing that's going to naturally come to your mind yeah. first is the great receivers you played with the NFL. I just kind of sit in the background and we'll get in on the conversation when we talk about thanks for, college. Thanks for being so <laughs> humble, man. Thanks for yeah, being so humble. I'm getting that off my chest. You are one of the greatest. That I've ever thrown the ball to, I will say that. Listen, listen, I, I'm a, I'm, I'm a Dre. I'm gonna share a memory with you, man. I was, uh, I was with Mike down in Atlanta. Um, me and my wife Shanice went down there. Actually, we mentioned Mookie earlier. Mookie flew down with us. Uh, Mike was playing the Raiders, and it was the year it was a contract year. And you know, I was talking to Mike, and I was asking him in his kitchen, man. You know, he was talking about he loved Atlanta, he wanted to stay, but he was like, I'm gonna explore my options. And of course, the hot top across the league, because McNabb talked about it, Dante Culpepper, the Pro Bowl, everybody was talking about Mike needed receivers because his receivers at the time were all young. Yeah. And he told me to my face, I wish I had a recording. He was like, I tell you who I would take down here, Andre Davis. <laughs> That's how much he loved you playing with you, man. He mentioned it. It was a contract year. We were down there seeing him play. They were playing the Raiders. And um, I remember talking to him in the kitchen, man. It was a great, it was a great time just seeing him play, but also and maybe remember you, you guys' connection, man. So I think Drake um, was up in New England at the time. Was yeah, he? that was if that was the case, then it was one of those things that Mike and you know this uh, as players, you wish that you could have every single year could be a contract year, uh, yeah. go big year where you have Pro Bowl type numbers and it's always leading up to something. Yep. For me, my career, like many other guys that we don't hear about, have up and down careers. And so you can have one year where everything looks great, 
And I could have possibly been an option for one of those teams you could have been on. And then other years, it's like, oh, boy, I'm just trying to make the team. (laughs) I know. know, And if I had the power to call upstairs, I was still young and be like, look, make this decision. They probably would have made it. That's how much respect I had with the Atlanta Falcons. And we probably would have got there because when I told Cuz that in the the kitchen that night, Mm -hmm. I was really serious. It was time to stretch the field. I felt like Roddy White was, you know, just now starting to emerge. He was starting to emerge, but he was still fairly young and he he needed he he needed some help too. You know, Michael Jenkins was kind of fading out. But you know, that was just the state of the franchise, man. If we would have got you, man, I would have touchdown passes would have increased for sure. That would have been fun. Man, that was special. It's really on the NFL level that, you know, I guess why doesn't it happen more often that if a guy is available when you know the quarterback had a favorite receiver, why wouldn't a team try to keep those connections together? It's very rare a lot of times that you see the same receiver going to play with the, you know, college quarterback that made them great. Yeah. Well, let's talk about some of those. Let's let's talk about some of those great memories. You guys. You guys are uh, obviously a few years younger than me, man. And I remember um, both of you guys have been on my other podcast. But on this particular one, I want to dive into you guys' chemistry because I think that's undertold, if that's a word. It's not, it's not talked about enough because when you go back and look at the tape and you look at the chemistry and connection you guys had, it was special. And, Dre, you and I talked about this because all three of us are brothers with tight. But, Dre, you told me on numerous occasions, especially off the air, man, like we hung out one time in Blacksburg at Tech, that you and Mike always had love for each other. But off the field, you know, Mike was with Dre and all them and and, 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 and TP and everybody, and you were off, you know, with your crew. But there wasn't no beef or nothing because we were all brothers. But it wasn't like you guys were best friends, you know, off the field. But how you got – Dre, what do you think about the chemistry? How, how did you have such a great chemistry with Mike? Yeah, I think it's one of those things that you compartmentalize different areas of your life. And, you know, once again, where you and Mike grew up was very different from where I grew up. And so for me, one of the things that I had difficulty dealing with was just growing up around guys who were from, you know, the inner city and stuff and, <laughs> and had seen things that I had only seen in movies. And so I'm having to go and try and learn what people's lives, what their childhoods and stuff looked like. And guys are having to, you know, figure themselves out, find themselves when you get to college. We've all seen it, that there have been great recruits that get to college and they just can't make that transition because either academically they don't get it right or they fall under the pressure when they get to college uh, of having other great athletes around them. And so for, for Mike and I, I think it became a trust thing where when you get on the field, you know, when Mike was first starting out, he's trying to spread the ball around, trying to figure out who he can trust. Then all of a sudden it's like, okay, you've made a couple of big plays for me. Like I'm coming back to you. Like, you know, you're making me look good. And I'm, I'm fulfilling my promise of making sure I'm there on the back end. And so when you get to off the field stuff, I think it was just a matter of uh, I think how we grew up, which was just different and the group of people that we surrounded ourselves with was different. So, you know, it, like you said, there was no love lost at all. There was never any beef of anything. Oftentimes we would end up seeing each other at the same places. We would all end up at the same place. No doubt. But it was just a, a matter of how did we get hey, there. Let me, hey, 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 and I will say this, Dre done showed up at some of the parties that we'd have been at. Like, yo, Dre, what you doing here, man? And Dre in the corner chilling. 
You know, Dre just real cool. You know, everybody like him and everybody love him. But tell you one thing, we might not have like hung out off the field and I understand exactly what Dre was saying and people who can read between the lines know that, look, we all come from different backgrounds and sometimes, you know, it take a while to mesh, but if you if we would have heard about something happening to Andre Davis on that campus, it would have been 15, 20 people showing up to, to handle no business. Question. So, no doubt, you know, no doubt. Just, like I say, when I got on, when we got on, you know, Dre just always been good energy, positive energy. And what was your coach name? I'm sorry, I can't remember his name. What was your receiver coach name? Tony Ball. Coach Ball. Tony Ball. Shout out to Coach Ball. Coach Ball, I love you. <laughs> coach Ball would not let us get close to you, Dre. You was his prized possession. You <laughs> <laughs> was his, hey, hey, D, hey, cuz. Coach Ball loves from Dre. Oh, I know, My I remember. Hey, hey, you guys, you guys remember, and you can see this on any of our YouTube tapes if you look back at games. Anytime me and Mike connected for a touchdown, I could never celebrate with you guys because I had, I had to come right to the bench, and I always was on the phone. Coach Ball would never let me celebrate. He would never let me talk yeah. to the camera and say nothing. I had to be on the phone with him every time. Coach Ball was a great receivers coach. He was a he short, was. dark-skinned guy with the ball hit, yeah. and he was on you got Bounce, bounce, bounce. He would just touch. Oh, that, was it, that was his thing. Bounce, bounce, bounce. What? He was <laughs> Dre, so yeah. nice. <laughs> hey, you know what? I want to ask you and Mike both this, man. Look, you know what's you know what's bananas is you know I have a son. You guys know my son Isaiah, and I have kids I work with, and they mm -hmm. go back and look at the tapes and the stuff that pops on Twitter when you know Virginia Tech Twitter shows clips. You would think with Mike being a Heisman finalist, um, an iconic one of the best quarter quarterbacks in college football history, Dre. You made it in the league, played nine years. You set all types of records at Virginia Tech. You would think we played in an offense that was a spread. You would think that the offense we had, you know, we, was like four wides, what we call flush. You know, you, it wasn't even like that. It was pretty much, it was it was you, it was Mike, it was Ricky Hall, tight ends, Bob Soskowski, and all those guys. But ultimately, it was pretty much a ball control Screen Dallas, remember the screen Dallas? I remember all those plays. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but yeah. you know, like what's crazy is like it wasn't like you know, we came out airing out. I mean, you guys hit those big plays because we had some great backs and Sharon Stiff, Andre Davis, Lee Suggs, uh, Keith Brunel. We had some phenomenal backs, and those plays you guys had were, were big time plays, but it was based off the run, right? You know, yeah. it, what, yeah. do yeah. what, what do you remember about the offense, man? Like you want to take that, Mike, or you want me to take that? Let me just start, and I'll be short, and and because I want to hear your perspective. It was definitely a ball control offense, like, and predominantly run. The guys up front were so cock strong, we almost had to run the ball. And our offense was predicated around running the football, um, but we had some talent on the outside. You and Ricky Hall so we was able to add a little more passing game, a little more Bronco, you know, Mustang, you know, jumping into Queens a little bit, <laughs> jumping in the flesh and clocking Lewis and five-man protection. So, yeah, so so it, it eventually led to that. And then we had some good tight ends as well. But I, I'll say it started up front, and, and the tradition of, of being able to run the football was always um, something that we tried to, you know, keep as, as a staple in the offense. So... We rode that train, but thank God we had guys on the outside who could move. 
Yeah, absolutely. And and both of y'all be cracking me up that y'all remember the plays, man. Like y'all, whoo, y'all remember the names. Dre, of the plays, I was there the five years. Dre, I, I was there five years. I know. <laughs> it, it, it's amazing because it's one of those things that you let go out your mind. And all of a sudden, when you say it, it all starts flowing back to me. Yes. Like, man, it would be one day of us sitting in a meeting room. I could probably step back out on the field and remember all the plays that y'all talking about. Yeah, um, but for me, as we look at it, it's so interesting because, like you said, it was a ball control offense. But yet, oftentimes, we had like the number one offense or the top five offense in the, in the country. And that's no. with me. My one of my best years in that 99 season, I only caught 35 balls. Like, what is that? How are you yeah. a top receiver like only catching 35 average. balls? Yeah. And so that was the thing I keep joking with everybody about. I'm like, yeah, I had 35 catches, but I averaged 27.5 yards a catch, which I believe that year I think led the country in yards per catch. So mm. when when you see that, it's just like, man, you talking about like at least once or twice a game, you just it's just bombs away. Let's go. So it, it was really amazing, and once again, very grateful that I happened to be one of your favorite guys uh, at receiver to be able to put those kind of numbers up and let everybody know that, you know what, this is my purpose on the field. This is what my strength is, is to stretch the field and then keep these guys honest. Well, behind behind closed doors, uh, OJ Tulsa, which I came out off of play action, and mm. based on the coverage, I'm, I'm looking, you know, I'm, I'm trying to find out if Dre got that one-on-one matchup, and if he win it, Right off the peak, right off the glance, you know, I, that was one of my favorites. And I made sure that, you know, the OJ Tulsa game, you know, we, we was able to, you know, do you probably, you know, that's play action. Yeah. You know, I made sure that that, that was at a premium because we, we running the ball effective. And I learned at an early age, you run the ball effectively, the play action going to work. I mean, Dre was always able to, always able to, to connect. And I was, you know, Dre didn't come open. I would find uh, Brown and win, you know, in the right. deep over route. And then the backs, Dre and Tyrone being a flat. So coach is putting everything in front of me. But, man, we'll go through some X's and O's one day for sure, cuz. No, hey, absolutely. Look. The fun thing about it, real quick, Dwight, the fun thing about it is that we started – we had such a connection that Coach Bustle started having more faith in us as well yeah, to yes, the point did. where it's just like, you know what, Let, let's go deep to start the game off. Let, let's score a touchdown. Let's go deep on the first play of the game. And so I would be getting onto the bus on our way to the stadium and all Coach Bustle would tell me is like, Andre, make sure you're stretched. And I'm like, oh, okay, <laughs> let's go, let's go. So, I run my arm. <laughs> <laughs> that was the fun thing about it, that both you and I, and it's those subtle things, right, that shows the connection when you're on the field, was that both of us could read the coverage enough to know that, all right, I'm peeking in the backfield, you're reading the coverage as you're going through the snap count, and you look over, you see the DB, you look at me, all it is is eye contact. It ain't no head nod or anything. And eye contact, like, yo, we about to burn these dudes. It was so fun, Dwight, man. It was so fun. So Yeah, fun. yeah, no, I, I I remember leaving, man. And I I saw snapshots of it in practice. And then I, when, when I left and went on and I came back and watched you guys, it was special, man. And, like, what was funny is, like, everybody knew it. Like, yep. the entire conference, the entire country knew it. Florida State knew it in the national championship game and couldn't stop it. Um, but at the same time, I want to ask y'all this, man. Bahami Jones, shout out to Bahami, uh, you know, ESPN. Now he's on, uh, I don't know where he's at, but he's radio, TV. He's everywhere. He's a great uh, analyst and great commentary. Just got great insight on sports and social justice and things of that nature. When the 30 for 30 came out, um, a lot of tech fans went at him on Twitter 
because he was talking about Mike and just being, you know, how great Mike was and the team, the 99 team was on him. And Tech fans just started hitting him up, talking about Wayne mm. Ward and all the mm. great players. You, I wasn't on the 919, but everybody on the 919, Jamel Smith, Mike Hawks, all those guys, Engelberger, Corey Moore, all those guys with defense. Yes. Okay. Yeah, so defense. with that, yep. hey, look, hey, look, with that Man. being said, hold on, Mike, hold on. I want you to talk because look, you got you exactly the energy I need right now. I didn't even have to go at him because I was thinking the same thing. Like, if you take a step back, I know people got short memories, but that 99 team for real? Let me like, clear Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Let go me ahead. clear it up. Let <laughs> me clear it up. If that was the issue, and, and, and I'm not the biggest Twitter, Instagram guy, I, you know, I'll do it when feasible, when necessary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that 99 team, I was just a, a small fraction of the success that we had. Mm -hmm. My success became because the offensive line block. Dre and Ricky got open. Dre and Sharon and Lee Suggs, they churned out yards. They made life easy for me. And the defense, they should have been the MVP. I mean, mm. multiple games. I mean, I, like some of the top offenses in the country got shut out. And like you said, Engelberger, Corey Moore, Midget, Ike Charlton, Mike Hawks, Jamel, like Carl Bradley. All these dudes was beasts. Mm. And, and some of the best defensive men in the country that year, hands down. And they gave us a lot of chances. They gave us a lot of short fields. We had a lot of punt returns. We had a bunch of turnovers. And I'm not taking anything away from what we was able to accomplish, Andre. We just did our job. The best thing about that team was our focus. We were super focused and super determined. So we, we knew how talented we were. And, and we knew how far we could go. We, we knew we had success from the years prior. Mm -hmm. And all we needed to do was just play a little better. And everybody just stepped their game up to play a little better, starting in the spring and into the summer. And then the season was history. We was, we was built for it. We was ready for it. Yeah, yeah. Dre. What, go ahead, Dre. What you think, Yeah, Coach? Yeah, I mean, I mean, Mike's right. Whenever we talk about the team and Mike, very deservingly so, gets a lot of the credit. But we forget that Corey Moore was like the defensive player of the year yes. and won like every major defense award yes. that season. And so it's like, you've got somebody like that on the edge. Like there were times for us as an offense, we're sitting there watching the defense because it was just like, yo, yes. you better be ready to get back on the field because there might be a strip sack, there might be a pick, there might be something going on that we got to be ready to get back on the field. And so that was the thing that made 99 so much fun was because we all wanted to watch each other play because there were big plays happening all over the field, whether it was a block punt, a punt return, a pick six, uh, a sack, strip fumble, uh, a go route, you know, post by me, a long run by, you know, Lee Suggs or Chiron. I mean, there was always somebody that if you weren't paying attention, you were going to miss a big play. So mm -hmm. I think overall as a team, like that's what I think we're missing now in today's, uh, in today's mm. team is that from yeah. a offense, defense, special teams, we had an identity and we knew what we were going to do when we went out there. And that was the passion in which we played, which gave us all confidence. Dre, keep that energy because after we get done with reflecting, we're going to jump into the, the, the now because I want to touch on that with all three of us because – I always tell people we have the credibility to speak on what needs to happen. I don't knock any coach. 
in Blacksburg, many of them played with us or played after us. But, you know, regardless of that, we know what it takes to win ball games. But before we get into that, I want to reflect a little bit more, man. You guys were special. And, and so many guys, we, you know, Shane Graham was on that team. And he was an all-world kicker, you know. Yeah. And yeah. we have a lot of guys we can name. But that team in 98, my last year, we lost three heartbreaking games. Everybody knows about it. We had that embarrassing loss. Temple being up 17 nothing. Yeah. We lost to UVA. We were up 29 to 7. And we lost to Syracuse. We were up 21 to 2. That's when Lauren Johnson had to run and Jerry Ferguson had to run yeah. with one shoe on. So you guys being underclassmen playing or backing up us saw what it took. And in 99, y'all took off. I mean, first game against JMU, Mike out there flipping, running, you know, almost towards ACL doing that flip. Yeah. But, <laughs> but then all of a sudden you wake up. And you in the national championship game, man. Um, you took Virginia Tech this close. You got you guys went to the fourth quarter, 29-28, man. What do you guys have? I know we all live our lives. We're fathers now. We're married. We, we're all blessed. But do you ever think back when you look at college football now and think, man, you know, when Alabama's winning at Clemson, you know, we were this close because that was a really good team. And I, I really thought at that time, other than Peter Ward and Winky, I thought y'all were the better team. Um, but at the same time, Dre, what do you think about that 99 that we know should you have won it? Uh Dwight, you already know this, man. I don't like going back there, man. That's a dark <laughs> place. That's a <laughs> that oh. is guys, you guys don't understand. For all of the listeners, you don't understand. And I think it probably hurts more with each passing year, is because it feels like it's further and further apart. Yes. And we all see how we treat champions. Right. Yes. Once you become a champion, you are forever in the record books. No one ever really talks about the people who, you know, made it to the championship, but lost. Yeah. Like as each yeah. year passes, nobody remembers that. They just want to yeah. know, did your team, did your school ever win a national championship? And to this day, we can't say that for Virginia Tech football. And so to think that we were so close um, and like you said, Dwight, it wasn't like we got blown out in the game or anything. I mean, we went down there right from the get-go being the, uh, the underdog and, uh, you know, should have scored on that first drive and, and let everybody, let the country know that we weren't just this, you know, this small school from Virginia that's playing against this powerhouse Florida State. We let them know that we deserve to be there just as much as anybody else. And so when I look back over the years now and realize how close we were, it just hurts that much more knowing that we could have been that team that would have, you know, forever been that first national championship for Virginia Tech. Yeah, and after going all those years, playing 13 years in the NFL and not winning the national championship, you know, you, you that was an opportunity to, to, in my lifetime, in our lifetime, say we won one, you know, and yeah. you, you play all those years in the pros, you play in college football, it's all a, to win a championship. Anything less than that is 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 considered, you know, a failure. Like Dre said, nobody remembers who, who came in second place. Uh-huh. And we had the team, probably one of the best Virginia Tech teams assembled, thanks to you guys and, and what was passed on years prior. You know, I'm talking about just from leadership standpoint on down, we had it, we was ready. We had a chance to sit behind y'all for a year. And, and once we, we finally took the field, the game was fairly easy. And we took all those principles and applied it. And we probably was the only team in the country that could beat Florida State. If we yeah. started the game over 0-0, and by the time we, we started to feel 
you know, ourselves and, and, and what was necessary to, to win that football game, it was probably two quarters too late. And then they went on the run in the second half and, and they took it over. But it would have been, it would have felt good to just forever say, I won a national championship at Virginia Tech. Um, like you say, now it feels like it's so far away. You uh, got to get back to that prowess. Yeah, look, hey, I, last point on that, man. I remember sitting in the Superdome in New Orleans and it was, the energy was great. It was electric. I was sitting there um, with Shanice. You guys both know Shanice, man. My Now my wife, but at that time, you know, we were just still well, boyfriend and Yeah, we were sitting there, man. And she, I look at her and y'all going to the fourth quarter. Everybody on the field's holding up the fours. And I look at her and she's shaking. And I said, what's up? Yeah. You good? She was like, we are about to win the national championship. And, and I, and I, you know, Tech is the only pro program I'm emotionally invested in because we helped right. build it. And I'm yeah. sitting there, and I didn't want to think about it because we were that close, man. And, you know, funny story is, you know, our full disclosure, I've only watched that game once. I can't get – I always – I, I turn it off right when y'all win it, and I turn yeah. it off. I yeah. can't – I turn it off, and, I mean, I, I see highlights of Mike running and everybody's chasing him, and Andre catches that long bomb. I feel like that ball was in the air forever. Might hit it right in your hands. It's three guys chasing you, Dre. And you yeah. walk into the end zone. And I see little Dre Kendrick, man. You know, he, he scores and you guys energy, man. And that that was a special time. And you know, it it was it was a really, it was really special season. We just couldn't finish, man. Some things happened. Dre, I believe you were injured too, right? You and Chabron, or was it Ricky? You got injured too. Uh, Ricky, Ricky, Ricky may have got been injured. Hurt. I would, yeah, I wouldn't be hurt yeah. in that game. Yeah. Ricky got Ricky. hurt and Sharon got hurt. That and, and of course. Yeah. Um, you know, those injuries were big key injuries, man. But yeah, it, it's the yeah. depth, right? At, at that yeah. point, it became about depth. Yeah. And that's when Florida State was just, you know, they were stacked. So they were just rotating people, which made Mike's game that much more, you know, uh, historical was that they had all these guys on their defense that were first rounders and everything else. And they just kept rotating people out. And Mike was still running by everybody. <laughs> and, you know, on my touchdown, uh, Two plays before we went deep, and I had my guy beat again. But Mike hit the uh, uh, the camera wire. No, camera. really? Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and it came back down, and so uh, uh, you know you got a strong arm when you do that. <laughs> <laughs> so we we oh, knew we God. had the guy beat, so it was just like let's do it again. So we did like a running play or something else, and then we came right back to it again and scored on that play. So. It's just one of those things that, you know, once again, with our team at that point, we had the players to be able to win, but the depth uh, and guys being able to get hurt, we didn't really have a deep squad that if somebody got hurt, you got another, you know, uh, all-star, all-American that's coming in there. And also, Ike Charlton went down early. Oh, yeah. We got to get Drake Kendrick up here to tell a funny story about what happened <laughs> in that moment. But that's the story for another day. So that happened, and then uh, now here we got to go watch some highlights on this game because I want to see when I hit that wire. <laughs> that wire shouldn't have been in the way. I know you said we came back and hit that play, but we could have came back down the road. It probably was a little sabotage, but it's all good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yo, it's it's crazy, man. But look, as we as we reflect, you know, I want to before we talk about the upcoming season because I, I got the tech schedule here. They got a big game coming on this Friday night with UNC um, to set the tone. But I, I do have one question. This has been another question I've been asked a lot throughout the years. 
you know, and this is just, you guys keep it real. This is Mike, you and I show. We got Dre on here. So, Dre, you kind of touched on this, but Tech has had some speedsters, right? And I'm not going to get to them all, but <laughs> David Wilson, Brian Steele, okay, D'Angelo Hall, and you, Mike, and Dre. Who wins in the 40 and who wins in the 100? I want to know. D'Angelo Hall, B. Steele, oh. David Wilson, Andre Davis, Mike let, Vick. Let, let, let me start this with no. So, <laughs> and, and, and I'm being frank. David Wilson was a beast. I was a big fan, big fan of David Wilson when he was at Tech. And, and, and you know, his, his agility was amazing. D'Angelo was a speedster. I know I definitely can put myself in that category along with Dre. It's a bunch of fast guys, man. <laughs> but I'm going to just say this. None of these guys were faster than Dre. Not in, not even myself. <laughs> Dre, like watching him run down, one time I almost threw my arm out throwing the ball to Dre. Like I couldn't hitch in the, and look, all these guys in their respective positions can move laterally. You know, D Hall, he, he jump routes and he do it all. Yeah. Long speed, you ain't beating him, you know, 0405 when he was at Tech. And I'm not saying this because Dre was my guy. You know, he's got to put me in the league. But but throwing to a guy who run a 4240, mm. it ain't nothing like it, man. It ain't nothing mm. like watching him and knowing that my timing had to be super on time. And I ain't saying that because Dre up here right now to everybody watching. I'm just keeping it 100. Dre, what's up, man? Who you got? You, B. Steele, uh, D'Angelo. I know there's football speed and track yeah. speed. But everybody I, I named was fast in real life, football life, back I'm in the left. day. <laughs> Mike just ran a 40 for the NFL and still ran a 4-6. You know exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so I'll put it this way. Like, I'm not going to put any money on myself in the 40. That, that is something that, you know, there's so much that goes into that quickness to be able to do the 40. Mm -hmm. um, now, when it comes to just pure speed, like, I'm, I'm top end speed. That, that's my thing. And so, like Mike said, when he throws the ball up, like, that's perfect for me. He's throwing the ball. He's going to have to throw the ball 60 yards for me to be able to, you know, to, to get to it, to get it in stride without me having to come back for it. And so I remember if you go back and look at uh, in 99, our first touchdown pass together, our first touchdown pass ever was against UVA. And that mm. was the only was, time I think. Yeah. It was, it was the second well, no, game of the it, season that it year. Was, it, it was, was the JMU. first time. Yeah. And then, and then UVA. Yeah. Yeah, we didn't connect against against JMU. Nah, nah, nah. Wow, that was so. You, that was you, Ricky. Ricky caught one up the left side. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. All right. I think All I right. caught one, and I think I tripped over my own feet. I remember that. <laughs> I remember that. I think that's what happened. Uh, so that was one. It was like a finger fingertip, fingertip. catch against fingertip. UVA. Fingertip. Yes. Um, and then every time after that, I think me and you just had such a great connection. You knew how fast I was. And once again, Dwight, if you look back at it, Mike was taking his three or five step drop and right when he hit that back step, he was having to throw it at the time to, to, for us to get it on the go. So, um, you know, I, I'm going to be humble to a certain extent, but when it comes <laughs> to speed, man, I ain't trying to mess around with that speed. And that's why I ran track. <laughs> that's why I believe I was the, uh, I think up until what, this year or last year, I was the fastest dual sport 
you know, athlete that Virginia Tech had until Cole you knew Jackson. that. You knew that. You talking about? I think. So, I think you knew you were that. You knew you were that fast. He's you a guy. This is my one chance. I, I'm on. I'm on TV right now. I'm on the podcast with Mike with Dwight with the Vicks. So yeah. I got to put Give it out there. Real, it's go down. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it, man. I love it. I love watching y'all run, man. It was special. And everybody we named, shout out to all those guys, man. Everybody was special. So look, everybody I named also won big at Tech in their own right. Not just individually, but as teams. Those were some great players, and they all knew what it was like to win. Friday, our Hokies, 6 p.m. in Lane Stadium. First time in a year and some change. Fans return back to Blacksburg. Hokie Nation, primetime game. We're playing a top 10 opponent in UNC, a team that Tech has pretty much owned since joining the ACC in 2004. There's been a few moments when Tech has lost to them. There was the last year, to, to be exact, a shootout in UNC where um, Tech got down 21 to nothing. And then uh, Hendon Hooker came off the bench and brought him back. He lost 42 to 37, I believe. The year before that, there was the crazy first time ever sixth overtime game. Virginia Tech pulled that out. Quincy Carter, that Tech played three quarterbacks that game. Quincy Carter, Ryan Willis, everybody Patterson. played. Patterson. Patterson. Yeah, excuse Quincy me. Patterson. Quincy Patterson. So Quincy Patterson. Yeah, yeah. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Tech wins the game. And we didn't even know about the new changes with the overtime rules to that game. Yeah. But, you know, UNC has Mac Brown now. They got Dre Bly, who was killing it in recruiting, hitting up me and Mike's hometown, the whole area, getting players. Um, UNC has a great quarterback in Sam Howell, um, a Heisman candidate, um, Carolina's favorite to win the Coastal and challenge Clemson along with Miami from the Coastal. Um, UNC is coming into Blacksburg with a lot of confidence. They lost a lot of talented players in Daz Newsom and company, but they still feel like they have the team to not only to beat Tech, but to beat Miami. Um, what do you guys think Tech needs to do to win that game, man? I almost think we need to – it's tough, man. Last year was a tough year. There, there was so much uh, – I can't say chaos, but with, with the team not being able to have fans, uh, that's one thing. That's one side of the story that I think a lot of us uh, – you think it's just, well, you're playing the game and fans don't matter. We all know what fans can do, what a crowd noise can do, but you also need the talent and the discipline – to make sure that everything that you practice during the week, you're going to be able to execute on game day. And that was something that I felt like we did at times, but was not consistent enough uh, to do it. And that showed in our record. It was, you know, we were pretty much what we were under 500. Five uh, and six, five and six, five and six. And so, you know, I can't even recall, remember the last time we ever lost six games in a year. So mm. what happened, what <laughs> We went from critics, I think, during the year when we started losing. And then all of a sudden, it, it really turned hateful, I think, from uh, fans that have supported us and I think continue to support us. But you started to see the negativity really start to seep in and to see the players have to deal with all of that and still go out there week in and week out and try to perform. I felt like that had a, uh, a big uh, uh issue with the team and, and that's something that the team really could never get over with that every week they were having to you know answer questions on you know did they want to be there and and everything else we had guys who were with the team and end up going to rival colleges leaving there was you know uh 
division within the locker room of guys talking about stuff. And that's something that I don't recall ever happening at Tech during my time. And, and I know it was a long time ago, but that's something that we can't have. So we've been hearing all the right things coming out of the locker room and from Coach Fuente right now. But I think the team needs to be unified right now. And uh, hopefully if they can do that, if they can keep the turnovers and stuff down, that we'll be able to, you know, get a win this week. Yeah, and I, and I just hope, like, you know, team camaraderie is, is there, team chemistry is there in, in terms of um, us being able to play together. I, I do think we need a signature win, and why not set the tone first game of the season versus yeah. UNC, who was one of the, the powerhouses in the ACC. And, you know, we came up in the Big East. The ACC is different. We always look at the ACC as a conference that was very competitive, but we knew we could compete in, in that conference. And mm -hmm. uh, I think the way you alluded to it, having Dre Blatt, UNC now has really had a profound effect on their program because a lot of those guys are coming out to 757, you know, where we from. And, and uh, mm -hmm. it, anywhere that those guys end up in abundance, is gonna, they're going to be hard to beat together. It's, it's not going to be easy. So I think now we just have to go with what we got um, under the leadership of Fuente and you know, who's ever at the helm at the quarterback position, got to find a way to rally the troops. And, and, you know, I can't wait to chronicle this season as we go throughout the year so we can help, you know, Virginia Tech fans, you know, and it's great to have them back, um, you know, really understand what, what needs to happen, you know, week in and week out, what didn't happen week in and week out, and how we can get better moving forward. And hopefully our voices are heard. But, uh, you know, this needs to be a signature win this weekend, if not, you know, make it competitive and, and gain some momentum going into to week two. I agree. I I, I look, I, I'm not that old man, get off my lawn guy. I understand the game has changed since we played. I'm all for a lot of the new changes. I love Saturdays, you know, when especially when our boys are playing. I look at this schedule. I got the schedule right in front of me. We open up home against North Carolina, uh, home against Middle Tennessee State, at West Virginia, and then we uh, have come back home in Richmond. That's the month of September. Then we um, come back in October with another home game against Notre Dame, Pitt, Syracuse, a three-game home stretch. Then at Georgia Tech, at Boston College, back home for Duke in November, then the gauntlet to end the season at Miami and at UVA. Um, here's the deal. That's a that's a Big East flavorish schedule if you take a step back, you know, minus yeah. a few schools. But with the same mindset, you know, Dre, you said something, and Mike, you and I have talked about this off-air, a lot of guys that played, you know, before us and even after us with, you know, the guys that came in after you and um, Mike Dre, Virginia Tech right now needs an identity, you know, and I think they need leadership. Everybody talks about everybody has a plan to win and everybody feels like they, they had a great offseason. But adversity not only reveals character, but it reveals faith. And if you believe in yourself, and you believe in your scheme and your program and you have a good team and talent, you're going to be able to win. But at the same time, I just hope that Tech shows me who they are right now. I, I'm okay with the Beamer Ball era being retired and Bud Foster, Lunch Pail. They did their part. They gave you the keys to the car. I'm interested to see what's going to happen now because, you know, other than my year, you guys were, uh, Mike, I don't even, you were, you weren't even there yet. And Drake, you were sitting in the stands with Mookie and them. You were red shirt. Now you were injured when we played Carolina when I was there. And we got blasted. You know, in the, in 40, the bowl game, you talking about the, the bowl, forty-two to three. Kill I, 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 I told, kill I, I told my wife, well, my wife, I told Shanice and the family, I told my mom, I said, don't come, 
She was like, why? I said, yo, we were banged up. Uh, you know, Carolina had Vonnie Holiday, Ebony's Ecubine, Dre yeah. Bly. Yeah. Well, they, they were loaded. Yeah. They had first and we were seven and four struggling. We finished second in the Big East, but we, we had lost like two or three out of yeah. our last four games. But other than that, even with that being said, the following year we came back and the rest is history. And we knew who we were, even as a beat up football team. I want, if I'm a Virginia Tech player now, I take this game against Carolina personally. You know, Virginia Tech doesn't have a strong track record against top 10 opponents. But at the same time, during the time play, frame we played in, the, in that era of Beamer and even a little bit after, we had guys that took these kind of games personal. Um, case in point, when you guys played the Canes um, on that big primetime game, Miami was ranked, you guys were ranked, and uh, Santana Moss and Reggie Wayne, after losing four straight years, still did not believe that y'all were a better program. And y'all smacked them, all right? So if I'm looking at Tech, this has to be personal. UNC is still considered a basketball school. They got the Jordan brand. They got a great quarterback. I have a lot of respect for Mac Brown. Dre Bly is my guy. But if you're Tech, you got to take this game personal. I mean, I don't know. I mean, how would you approach this game? I, I mean, it's, it's, it's turning into a rival. I mean, I, I don't know if yeah. that person was sending it towards Dre. No, 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 no. Hey, go ahead, Mike. Take it. No, take it, Mike. No. But, I mean, they snatching up all the players. Like, I mean, I, I hate – you know, I, I love what Dre is doing – I'm a big fan. We from the same hometown, but come on, man, you can't. Outside of that, even still, it's about coaching. It's about teaching. You know, can you lead your guys and help them to believe that they can win? Sometimes it's just all about belief. You know, you put the right system, you put the right uh, play sheet in front of a guy, especially at the quarterback position. You make that guy believe. I walk into stadiums feeling like, look, we not going to throw the ball 50 times, not even 20 times. But our game plan consists of us being efficient in the run game and completing a couple passes. It was nothing sophisticated about it. And it, it kind of showed me that you don't have to, one, reinvent the wheel, you know, in the game of football. You just have to beat your opponent that week. If you got to add a couple wrinkles, add a couple things, even though your guys not, might not be as talented, football is it's like the game of chess. Your quarterback, and it starts there because everybody feeds off the quarterback and his energy and, and, and the Florida game. It starts there. If that guy is intact, then, you know, it makes the whole ship sail. So I just say that. I just say that because, and, and, you know, it's a critical time. It's a critical time for for Virginia Tech, and, and we trying to bring that history back, man. We trying to bring, you know, just that excitement back, and that's what we want. So, like I said, I look forward to just going through this season with you guys, man. And however it turn out, we're going to always support the program. No doubt. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's about, like Mike said, it's about belief, and it's about identity. Um, that's what – that's what I think a lot of this recruiting is going on now. When you've had some tough years, I know that's tough on the coaching staff <laughs> to try to go out recruiting mm. when you just finished five and six. Like, how do you expect to get those same guys from the 757, from Georgia, from anywhere out of state, even in-state? Can we win the in-state battle against UVA? Um, and even Old Dominion might steal a guy or two uh, right now. So do you believe in coming to Virginia Tech 
that not only are you going to get an opportunity to be able to play and add to the legacy here at Virginia Tech, but do you believe you can win at Virginia Tech? And I really hope that our coaching staff are saying the right things and then being men of their word when those players get here. Um, and, and once again, like you said, I think for us as older players, as alumni, we've got to be very careful about, you know, continuing to go back into, well, back in my day, like we did. Yeah, this, yeah, did that. yeah, yeah. You're there right. was it's no transfer portal. Different like like this, is a, this is a whole different day and time of guys being able yeah. to choose where are they going to go. You know, if I went off of that, I probably would have left because it's just like, really? I'm going to be the top receiver with only 30 catches? Like, you yeah. know, when I see guys at Florida during that time, they had uh, uh, Jabbar Gaffney, Richelle yeah. Caldwell. These guys were catching 80. Both guys were catching 80 balls. And then mm. their running back was getting like a 1,000 yards. I'm like, yeah. how can we not do that? But at the same time, I believed in us. Like, the camaraderie that we had on our team, I believed in us. I believed what we were doing. I believed in the hard work and the truly the blood, sweat, and tears that we put in. I really felt like we had a connection uh, on in all phases of the game that transcended uh, anything else that you see going on. It transcended the, the facilities that you have, that you're working in. Like all of that stuff is nice, but with all of that equipment, with those things you have or don't have, what are you doing? When I look Mike in his eyes and we're out there doing our 110s in summer, you know, summer camp and stuff like that, like, do I believe that we're going to be able to go out here and perform and finish strong in everything that we're doing? If no you doubt. don't believe that, you know, if you don't believe that, that's going to be a problem. And I think for us at Virginia Tech, when you think about identity over the last couple of years, think about what you said earlier, uh, Dwight, against USC in that six overtime game. We played three quarterbacks. Mike, yeah. did you ever – if we weren't blowing somebody out, did Mike ever come off the field when we played? No, no. You know, like, you <laughs> know, maybe point. we had – Great point. We had tandem running backs, right? Like, maybe no. we had two running backs, but we had receivers. Like, yo, Dre, you staying in the game unless hey. you just can't. Like, I can't breathe, and I need a breather. I've seen Bustle. I've seen, I seen Bustle and Beamer call a timeout so Mike can tie a shoe. <laughs> <laughs> And, I'm and telling I, you. And, 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 I'll say, and, I'll, and I'll say this real, real quick. I'm going to be real quick with this. Just like you said, Drake, even if outside of the, from the coaches, the players, when you get that game plan, y'all still have to come together and believe that you can execute it. Yeah. Sometimes you got to take it out of the coaches' hands. And I'm not saying mm, just credit the coaches. Mean. I'm no. saying the coaches can only give you so much. Yeah, Players got to believe, just like you just said, Drake. Hey, Dre, yeah. I'll, I'll just add too, man. I'm, I, you said something that's so profound because I know we all OGs now, and I'm good with that. I, I, I love where I'm at in life right now. But at the end of the day, it is different. We didn't have Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We didn't have the NIL rule. We didn't have the transport portal. And the game has evolved with the spread, the passing. You know, games are on 19 different channels now. You can be at a smaller <laughs> school. I'm okay with that. Yeah. I just know that when I watch a game, and I think Mike touched on it, I'm I'm not even, you know, there's there's speculation. Fuente's got to win. This is a must win. You know, players got to play. And then you got to take pride in this. You know, to me, if I'm on that staff, if I'm on that team, I'm coming out Friday night. You play at 6 p.m. There is no other game on TV. Everybody's yeah. talking about Sam Howe and Mac Brown, and this is their this yeah. is their division now where Tech for years ran the Coastal. Now it's anybody's Coastal to win, UVA, 
They coming at you. They feeling real good. They beat you a few years ago. I'm coming out with an edge. You, know, I don't even need people. I saw yesterday how people were sharing the uh, Desmond Howard and those guys. Everybody picked UNC to win. I never needed bullet, bullet bulletin board material. I didn't need that. Like you talked about, we had gentry, we had each other. It was personal. If you thought you were going to come in Lane Stadium and beat us, Very that's the mindset. That's what I mean about identity. Identity is not a hashtag. It's not a T-shirt with a quote. It's we, we had little nice things. I still got my key change from Coach Bustle. The little lock. Remember the yeah, lock? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but at the same time, like Dre, you mentioned, it was us. It was the one tense. It was the fact that I looked beside me and I looked, you know, the guys on the sideline. We loved each other and we played. It wasn't any fancy saying. So I think they, they can win games, but it's got to be the players as well as the coaches. I, I need to do some research and find out if they was pushing the, pushing the truck this past summer. <laughs> push the truck a hundred yards. And I was telling my wife that the other day. It was, it was some tough training. It was tough sledding. Like we put in that work, man. Like, and if you can go into the season and know, this past off season, I did everything I could to prepare myself for this moment. Then you can feel good about it out there. Hopefully, that's what the young guys out there feeling uh, as going into the week and getting ready for Carolina this Friday. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I really want to believe. And once again, I think we believe that and we went out and showed it. So what we showed on the field on game day backed up what I believe we all thought, you know, in the offseason and behind closed doors. Right now, what we're seeing, like, I don't think our guys are going out there right now and they're not working hard. Like, yeah. I don't think they're right. going through right. the motions. Like, we all know this. To play at a high level, you can't go through the motions and go. Because yeah. the guys who do go through the motions, they're going to be off the team. They're not yeah. playing. So I really believe that they're putting it, putting their all in to go. But this is where you start saying, what is, uh, what is your identity? What is your integrity when things don't go the way you designed mm. them to go? Mm-hmm. And that is what starts to happen is that, yeah, man, when the game starts, when Understand Man comes in, of course, the stadium's going to be rocking. Everyone's going to be great. The first series is great. And even maybe the first quarter goes good. But what happens when there's a lull in the action? Do you yeah. start saying, uh-oh, oh, no, here we go again. Is this what's, you know, you know, are things going to go downhill from here? Or is there somebody to pick everybody up? Um, from what I've seen on the outskirts, there hasn't been on the offense or defense oftentimes, there hasn't been that one guy that you see as kind of the leader who brings everybody together, who oh, talks all the time, who says, you know, for me, I, I like to think that uh, uh, Brock, Brock Hoffman is a guy who uh, brings the nasty. And, and Dwight, you can tell me a little bit more if you, I love if you believe him. he's the player that, you know, I like, I like his attitude on the field. I like at times when Dax Holyfield on defense is yes. trying to get them riled up. Like yeah. that passion that I see, I want to see more of that. And for that to kind of go throughout the rest of the team and not just it being them and everyone else is kind of just going through the motions and staying in there. Like I don't, I, w- I want to see more passion out of them. I'll say this. I did the, uh, Mike, I know you jumped on there, Ronya Whitaker. A lot of guys were even on the uh, Virginia Tech alumni uh, Zoom they had with uh, guys from the 80s, the 70s, the 90s, and even the early 2000s. Anthony Midget was on there. And they introduced uh, the former players to the, the former players who are now coaching. And this is not being talked about enough. This is why I feel a little bit better about the stuff we're all saying. J.C. Price is on that staff, one of the best 
players and leaders I've ever been around. Okay. Um, Pearson Prelo is on that staff. Jack Tyler is on that staff. Justin Hamilton is on that staff. Uh, they have Gavea Winslow, who's on that staff now. I believe Whit Babcock told me Virginia Tech is one of the top three schools in the country with the most former players, I believe 14 or 15 players, working in the football offices now. So there is a presence because I think when Fuente first got there, you have Coach Wiles and Coach uh, Bald Foster still there, but T. Gray went on and left, and then he went to Florida, and he's now in South Carolina, and then Coach Wiles was let go a few years ago. Um, and then you had Bud, who just retired. I've always felt when you look at Duke basketball, you look at any university, even Carolina, with Dre coming back, Mac Brown, you have to make sure, despite the evolution of your game and your program, you need people that still know what it takes to win. Beamer gave you the blueprint, but I'm okay with it evolving and the changes that need to be made because that stuff worked back in the day. But the blueprint with the three entities of special teams, defense, and offense, the fact that you protect the ball, the fact that you play for the win and you keep that energy and that chemistry together where even if the adversity reveals itself during the game, guys stay close, that's what's going to win games. We can all three break down X's and O's and talk about a 4-3 stack. If the man comes in, the safety walks down, you check, sight adjust. We can get all deep in all of that. But what it comes down to, a lot of times, Mike, you made a great point. Players got to play. You got that game plan, but you know what? You got to make plays. You know, and I just think that's what I want to see Friday night when we take on the Tar Heels. In closing, I'll say this. There wasn't a time we stepped on the field, Dwight, and I'm sure you can attest to this, and me and Andre played together, but we knew we was going to beat the opponent. There wasn't a time we stepped on the field, we was like, oh, we about to whip them. I mean, maybe a Rutgers or a Temple, but you still had, we still had to go do it. Mm. And there were times when we played, and especially in, in 99 and 2000, where some games weren't going right. I threw a pick against Temple. We was down, I think, 10 nothing. You know, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Barely beat Pittsburgh my second year. There were a lot yeah. of ups and downs, so it yeah. wasn't always sweet. So I said all that to say, it's going to be some adversity. The game of football is not easy. You're not supposed to be able to line up against your opponent and just go wipe them out. It's not going to happen that way. So together, you guys have to find a way to make sure that they're on the same page and they find a way to win the football game. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I, I think my message to everybody, and this is not just in football, but in life, clarity equals confidence. If you're clear of the game, because we can all play. We all know that. Everyone who gets to that level, you can play. But are you clear of the objective that's at hand of what we have to go out and do? Your natural ability is going to it's going to take you there, but you have to be clear on what needs to be done. There's been times that, you know, I was sitting there watching games and it looked like guys weren't quite sure of mm. where they were supposed to be at times. And so when you're unsure, you guys already know this. If you're unsure going into a play, oh man, it, it, it's over. <laughs> like guys, you just, you can't run full speed when you don't know where you're supposed to be or you don't know the defense and you're going to run in and get yourself killed or, you know, cause the quarterback to throw a pick or for a defense, you could be full of passion and not know where you're going and you run and hit the wrong hole. And you wonder like, how in the world is this big hole open in the middle of the field? It's because you haven't talked about the details. 
of not allowing a guy to get you on your full body, you know, or you're attacking the wrong shoulder, which just opens up the hole because, you know, you took one shoulder, your other counterpart took the other shoulder and it just opens up a hole. And so when you see those things, to me from the outside, it just looks like, all right, we weren't clear on where we were supposed to be in the position. So I think if those guys can get to that point where they are clear of the objective, if they are clear of what they have to accomplish each and every play, that's going to give them the confidence to be able to play free, play passionate, and play with that uh, the, the possibilities uh, that they have and energy to be able to go out there to you know, put that energy out there, have that identity and say, yes, we know exactly what we're doing. We're going to go out there. We're going to punch you in the mouth day in, day out, play in, play out on offense, defense, and special teams. And that's when you're going to find out that you'll have a special season. Hey, man, listen to y'all talk. Just I'm getting chills, man, because I, I miss – being around y'all in that, that locker room and just breaking down tape and just getting out there. That's the thing, man, the brotherhood, man, that, that, this is just, this is a fun, man. This is, this is good. But at the same time, I want to have a little fun before we wrap up the show. So I gave you guys a heads up, something new. No other, <laughs> no other, no other Virginia Tech podcast does this. So we're going to hit you. I'm going to hit you guys. I'm going to be the host on this. You I might make some, us look bad, Dwight, man. It's okay. I, I got some. Like that. I got some hokey trivia. <laughs> I want some VT trivia. <laughs> some VT trivia. Okay. <laughs> I got. I got. I got my questions here, Dre. I'm gonna start off with you first. All right. Gotcha. Yeah. Michael Vick was a Heisman Trophy candidate candidate in his freshman season. How many first place votes did he get? And Mike, I'll get with you second. All right. <laughs> was it a 104 first place folks? B 76. C, 25 first place votes, or D, 14. And I'll just help you out. The other candidates up for the Heisman that year were Ron Dane and Georgia Tech's Joe Hamilton. How many first place votes did the great Michael Vick get? <laughs> Mike got more. Mike had to have gotten more than Joe Hamilton. Like, big up Joe Hamilton, big up Ron Dane. He was my teammate in Houston uh, with the Texans for a year. Um, I think Ron won that year, and I know he had a monster year too. <laughs> with Chico, it was Chico. Um, um, so I'm gonna. Do you, how many uh, total votes are there? Um, total you know votes. Um, I don't have it in front of me, but um, I know it's. Well, I don't have that in front of me. I can just tell you um, yeah. how many Ron Dane and Joe Hamilton got. Uh, I'm gonna go with. Uh, freshman they didn't want to give it to freshman then when he deserved it i'll go with 75 if they had like 200 something votes so you're saying you're saying um, mike got 76 let me mark that here yeah. mike 76. mike same question you should know maybe you don't know you probably don't even care <laughs> but um hey <laughs> did you get 104 first place votes 76 c 25 or d 14 i'm gonna go with c 25, because they probably threw me some shade. So you're going C25? Yeah. Okay. The correct answer, gentlemen, is C25. Mike, wow. you got it. Yo, well, you got you it. Go. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah. I forgot all about it. I, that just sound about right to me, so I was winging. <laughs> Ron Dane finished. He won it, and he did have a monster. Yeah, good Lord. He was just Man. a monster back then. He finished with 586 votes. The oh, second snap. place... Yes, Dre, hold on. You were wrong about this. Joey Hamilton, who was a dog himself, uh, actually, he's Pearson Prelo's cousin. He um, finished second behind Ron Dane with 96 votes. 
Joe was nice. Oh, Joe yeah. Was <laughs> Joe they were definitely be. throwing shade, man. They didn't yeah. want to give it to us. <laughs> Those may be throwing shade, bro. That <laughs> was nice, though. Oh, man. All right. Let's see. Let's see. Okay. Here we go. All right. Virginia Tech in the 2004-2005 season, their first year in the ACC, they lost their season opener to UNC uh, West Coast, UNC California, um, in a very exciting game on ESPN. Virginia Tech eventually won the ACC that year in their inaugural season. However, this is a tricky one. What was the score of the game against UNC? Mike, I'll start with you first. A, was it 28 to 3 US, USC? B, 24 to 13 USC? C, 17 to 7? Or D, 35 33? The quarterback was Brian Randall. The receivers were uh, Eddie Royal, Clowney, and company. A DB was the linebackers along with Vince Hall. So it was a very, very loaded team. Yeah. 28 to 3, 24, 13, 17 to 7, 35 to 3. 35 to 3, or do you say 35 to 3? 35 33. 35 33. I'm going to say, hey, 28 to 3. Brian Randall dug him in a hole, but got him. <laughs> <laughs> That's my boy. Shout out to me. <laughs> Hey, the quarterback gets all the blame that gets all the credit. All right. So all right, okay. I'm going opposite of Mike. We can't we couldn't have gotten beat that bad 28 to 3. I'm gonna go with a high scoring event. So I'm going 35-33. Okay, Dre, you going 35-33. I was at this game. The game was at FedEx. It was a great game. Virginia Tech lost B 24 to 13. Um, it was 13. a very good game. USC was defending national champions. Um, they uh, were favored. They were favored that night by 18 and a half points. That was a point spread. Virginia Tech was killing them, actually. The game changed when a DB, a freshman, went out the game with the uh, – he had a tear right here, and he was shutting down Reggie Bush. As soon as the DB went out, they ran a wheel route, opened the game up. There was another uh, play in that game where Tech had momentum. You know, FedEx was like a home game. And they called an offensive pass interference on Tony Hy I mean, I don't know, Hyman, the receiver. They said he pushed off. If they would not, they would have counted, they would have been in the red zone, they would have went up for it. Oh, so, wow. Virginia Tech wow. lost that game. Yeah, man. I missed yeah. that one. Where was I? <laughs> Where was I? Come on, Tech. All right. Okay. Here we go. All right. Um, this is a this is an interesting one. This is before y'all time. So I know y'all may struggle with this, but maybe y'all can get it. Virginia Tech and ESPN have a great relationship. They've always, you know, since the Thursday night games, Virginia Tech took yeah. ESPN to the next level um, with that and the success of Virginia Tech. However, before the Thursday night games, Virginia Tech's first appearance on ESPN football game-wise was against A, Southern Miss, B, UVA, C, Florida State, or D, Miami. This is Virginia Tech's first time ever on ESPN. Mike, who do you think it was against? Oh, man, let me see. It wasn't, probably wasn't a Big East game. Southern Miss. All right, Southern Miss. Dre, same question. Was it oh. Southern Miss, UVA, Florida State, or Miami? Virginia Tech's first ever game on ESPN. I'm going to have to go if that was before our time. Yeah, that's before my time, bro, because I was Even in high school. Even before your time. I was right? in high school. 
Like 88, yeah. 89, baby. 88, 89. <laughs> I'll give you a hint. I'll give you that. It's, it was in 1990. Okay. Beamer had been there a few years. Okay. I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go with it was a big east game because I feel like that's the only way we would have uh potentially been on TV. So let's go with let's go with Miami. Oh, okay, Dre. All right, Mike, you said Southern Miss. Dre, you said Miami. The correct answer was UVA. Um, and Virginia Tech was going into the Big East then. They, UVA that year was loaded. They, they uh, midway through the season, were number one in the nation. They had oh, Sean wow. Moore and Herman Moore. You remember Moore to Moore? Yeah. They were yeah. number one in the nation, ended up losing like four out of the last whatever. And Virginia Tech, in their debut ESPN game, won the game 38-13. to 13. Wow. Oh, yeah. Beamer and Kenny. Right. Tech. There you go, Beamer. That's right. Damn. What a day. Yeah. 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 All right. Just a few more. Here we go. Um, Virginia Tech um, against Texas in 1995, my red shirt freshman year. Sugar Bowl. Um, Playing the Sugar Bowl, the game that a lot of people felt like really put Virginia Tech on the map. Um, There was a huge play. Um, that really set the tone in that game right before halftime. Um, was it Jim Drunkenmiller hitting a touchdown pass to Antonio Freeman? Was it Brian still returning a punt for a touchdown? Or was it Tyrone Drake for intercepting a pass to return for a touchdown? Or was it Shane Graham hit a 51-yard field goal? Drake first. <laughs> I'm going with my boy, Be Still. Okay. Be okay. Still with the okay. touchdown. All right. You going to be still? Yeah, I think that's the correct answer to the members returning the punt and then mm. changing the game. Something, something involving <laughs> be still. <laughs> yeah, you guys are both right. I was there uh, yeah. on the bench. Be still returning the punt. Um, Jim Drunken Miller couldn't have hit Antonio Freeman. He was on the yeah. team at that time. He was with the Packers. Yeah. Tyrone Drakeford had already been gone because he was with the 49ers. He wouldn't have been there. And Shane Graham um, did not hit a 51-yard field goal in that game. I don't even think he was on the team yet. If he was, I don't remember him hitting that. All right? Yeah. Um, okay. One, I think we got – oh, yeah, two more. And these. This is going to be fun. I'm going to save the best one for last. Um, how many games – did Beamer win in his first season as head coach? Um, this is his first season, him taking over. Um, was it A, one game, B, zero, he went winless, C, three games, or D, two games? Jay, it wasn't good regardless of what the answer was. was hey, one thing we do know, the one thing we do know is the coach ain't get off to a good stop. I'll say that. But I think I know the answer to this one, D. I'm not um, 100%, but I can't be too far off. I'm going to say A, one. Okay. All right, Mike, you're going with A. Trey, which one? Was it one game, zero games? He won three, or did he win two? I don't think it was three. Like, Mike, I think it was either one or two. Um I know they wanted Coach Beamer out of there after like year three. They were uh, talking about getting him out of there. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm gonna go with Mike. I'm gonna go with one. Okay, you both are close, but no cigar. It was two games. He only won two games really? that season. His first season as head coach. Yes, two. I thought mm-hmm. it was more, but I got this from the credit. Oh. Yeah, but Beamer, obviously, we know the rest. You turn it around, man. Perseverance. Absolutely. 
It's crazy. I don't know if that would ever happen today. You know, guys. That, that would not. Nope. No, no, would not that, today. <laughs> you don't got enough time. No, you got no, enough. You guys don't. go eight and four, and they talking about firing people. No, so, don't. It's you know, sad. it's it's, it's just crazy. Hey, no, okay, last one. Um, so Virginia Tech and Miami, it's well documented, have a great rivalry. Started, um, you know, during my time, and you guys came in and it continued. It's still Tech and Miami have a great rivalry now. Um, the nineteen ninety Miami game I mentioned earlier in, in our show. Um, you know, Miami was talking about tech, you know, you guys really weren't the team and the four games that you had, the game winning streak was a fluke, but yet you had that big matchup when Santana Moss and all those guys came in the lane stadium. Um, what was the final score of that game in 1999? Was it a three to nothing? This is a game you both played in, by the way. Was it, <laughs> was it B, 27-24? Was it C, 43 to 10, or D, 45 to 14? Who's going first? This is a game y'all played in. This is an ESPN Saturday night primetime game. I'm, I'm going to let Dre answer it, and then I'm going I'm to let Dre go, and then, because I know this one for sure. The one thing I don't forget is scores the game. It scores okay. the game. Okay. Okay. The mic knows it. I'm going to I'm going to go with, uh, at first, my initial thought was it was 35 to 10. Mm. Um, I know we went on a, a, it was just one of, again, one of those classic Virginia Tech games where we just scored and had a strip sack for, like, Corey Moore, I think, had one, or Ike had a pick and something, and we just scored, like, 21 points real quick. So I know we had uh, numbers. What was C and D again? It was 45-10? 4310 it was one of them nights where we put it all together, man. Magic, yeah. you know, offense, defense, and special teams, all three phases. Yeah. No that's, doubt. That's no the doubt. great thing. That's the great thing about a great team is that even when one side of the ball struggles, you've got the type of confidence that your your buddies on the other line on special teams that they're gonna have your back. And that's the thing that makes the difference, you know, to be able to stay consistent for a full year is that when your buddy goes down, whether it's individuals as players or one side of the ball goes down, that you know you need to step it up. So if the defense is struggling, you know you're going to have to outscore. So we got to put up 50 points today. Or if the offense is struggling, the defense has to know you got to get turnovers or there needs to be a big play on special teams. So, you know, once that happens, you're going to be able to have the type of success that, you know, Mike and I had during the years and, and Dwight that we had and in past years. And, and hopefully we'll be able to get back to that. And that was well, our perseverance moment right there. Yes, it was. Yeah. Yes, it was, especially for the Canes, man. They, you know, that's a great matchup. And looking forward to trying to get back against them this, this year, man. Getting a W against them, man. They got us last year in a close one. But fellas, that's it for today, man. Um, that's it for Hokey Trivia. That's it for the Vic 757 podcast today. Um, we appreciate everybody, especially you, Dre, jumping on with us, man. This is our first one. Yeah. 
Um, this has been a lot of fun. Um, we're blessed by you being on here. Any final thoughts, uh, Dre, you want to say to Hokie Nation, what you got going on? How can they follow you on Twitter? Anything you want to tell everybody? Yeah, definitely. You can follow me uh, on Twitter or Instagram at the number one, Andre Davis, A-N-D-R-E-D-A-V-I-S. Um, I'm always about service, just like our uh, motto at Virginia Tech says, oop prosum. I'm helping out at Virginia Tech uh, as the director of student athlete support and community engagement. I'm also on the campaign steering committee at school, as well as the pamphlet advisory committee. So always trying to give back to make sure that our school is always going to be one uh, of the best colleges in the nation, not only through uh, sports, not only through our education, but globally, that we're always going to make a difference. Uh, I'm also giving back internationally by being on the board of an organization called Africa New Life Ministries that's based in Rwanda, uh, where we help lives and communities and uh, child sponsorships and giving them an education um, and health. So it's always about giving back. So my hope for everyone who's listening, use your platform, use everything that you have, your gifts, talents, and treasures to be able to uh, really give back to those that are in need um, and just use your story. We all have a story. Uh, understand your story and share that with the world, man. So thank you guys, Dwight. Thank you, Mike, for having me on on your inaugural show. Yes, uh, sir. I wish you guys the best with how this is going to go. This is going to take off and know that I'm always here back. for you guys if you ever need it. Can't we wait appreciate you. Back, bro. Yes, appreciate sir. you, man. Absolutely. Thank That's you. Well, to all the Hokie Nation out there, on behalf of my co-host, Mike Vick, we love you guys. Appreciate y'all. You check out those Hokies Friday night against Carolina. We'll be back next week to recap the game and have another great guest to join us. And like we're going to say every week, man, go Hokies. We appreciate y'all. Go Hokies. Y